KXEG Phoenix. Welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Get ready for your 30-minute shot of non-stop discussion about the issues that matter most on the journey of following Jesus. Life 360 with Tim Jacobs takes you to the intersection of faith and life, gospel and culture, and helps you make sense of it all. Now, here's your host, Tim Jacobs. Good afternoon, Valley of the Sun. Tim Jacobs here. Welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, your 30-minute wad with God, your spiritual Zumba class, trampoline aerobics for your soul, live on 1280 KXEG, the trumpet. You can also listen to us on the TuneIn Radio app, so make sure you download that, and you can listen anywhere in the entire world. It's great to be with you today. By the way, I am the senior pastor of Compass Church way out in the Wild West Valley, Goodyear, Arizona. You can visit us online at compasschurchaz.com. You can visit us anytime on a Sunday morning. I'd love to meet you. But hey, there's eight more shopping days until Christmas, and I got to tell you, I haven't done squat. So if you are behind in your Christmas shopping, so am I. But see, I don't know. For me, I like the urgency, so it doesn't matter. I don't mind being out on Christmas Eve and braving the crowds and whatever because I just love that feeling. But the big thing for me, though, is it's eight more days until we can retire for yet another year, the Elf on the Shelf. Angie, does your family do Elf on the Shelf? <laughs> yes, we do. I'm talking with Angela. She's our guest today. We'll be talking with her in just a few minutes, but I got to tell you, the Elf on the Shelf, if you don't know about the Elf on the Shelf, he's this little red creature that was probably made in a sweatshop somewhere in some horrible <laughs> part of the you know country or the world and shipped over here. And millions upon millions of children love the Elf on the Shelf and parents hate it. See, what happened in our family is, and what typically happens is you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, oh, here's another day. And my, I see my wife and she wakes up, her eyes open. You could tell she's just starting to get that little bit of inspiration. And all of a sudden her eyes like, burst open wide and she's like oh my gosh we forgot to move the elf and it's just like <laughs> panic so we start running into a panic so the other day we go running out into the family room and she's like what are we gonna do with the elf the kids are gonna get up so i took the elf from wherever it was and i'm not kidding you guys i threw it in the tree i didn't just put it on a branch i i threw it in the Christmas tree. And she goes, you can't put it in the tree. It's already been in the tree. We can't be in two places or that the same place twice. So she's like, ah, oh, she's getting like, let's just squirt some syrup on him and hang him upside down and, you know, stick him next to the dog. You're just doing everything you possibly can to, to show that the elf moves. So anyway, all I had to say, you have small children in the car and like, what is he talking about, mommy? The elf moves like by himself. You have to, I'm sorry, I should have given you a warning. The whole point is, Eight more days, the elf goes back in a box until next year, and so I'm excited about that. We're going to talk about torture today, and we're going to answer the question, should Christians be okay with torture? And the number to call, I'm going to give the number out in just a moment, um, so you can call in, because I'd love to have you call in, but the, the other big news I want to tell you today is that we are going to go to one hour starting in January 6th, starting the new year. Life 360 with Tim Jacobs is going to move from a half hour to an hour-long show from 4 to 5 o'clock. And i tell you how cool it is. Somebody contacted me. They called me up and they said, Tim, look, I believe in the show. I believe in what you're doing. I like hearing what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing 
this kind of stuff said on other stations and other shows. And so uh, I, I want to be able to make it happen for you. And so this individual is going to help uh, support the show and so that we can be on for an hour. And I love that because it's an amazing thing. It reminds me of a quote from a book I read a long time ago called The Radical Leap by Steve Farber. And, and one of the main points of the book was do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Isn't that so cool? So often we, we say, well, I'm going to get a job because of the money or because of what, where I'm going to get to live or whatever else. But do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Don't merely look at salary or opportunity, but, uh, but look at the larger thing like that. So anyway, I want to give you that update. Starting the new year, we're going to be going to an hour, and I'm so excited about that. The number to call if you want to talk about torture and answer the question, should Christians be okay with torture? The number to call is 602 602- 368-3776. That's 602-368-3776. Call me and let's talk about it. But in studio with me today is Dr. Angie Swan, professor of criminal justice at Grand Canyon University. She is the official um, criminal justice correspondent for Life360 with Tim Jacobs. She's in studio. Angie, how are you? I'm great, Tim. Good, good. And uh, how are things going over at Grand Canyon? Good, good. We just wrapped up for the semester. Finals were last week, so now we're on Christmas break. Good. Well, listen, we're going to jump right into, into it today. Um, here's the deal. We have the CIA report that came out on torture and the CIA's uh, use of the Senate report, rather, on the CIA's use of torture for many of these terrorists or so-called people associated with that. And um, a lot of this has come up as to, is this the right thing to do? Should we be involved in these kinds of techniques? You know, I, I looked at it. And I said, I think you got to do what you got to do, but uh, you're not so sure. Talk to me about that. What do you think? No, Tim, you know, I don't think it's quite as black and white as some people would see. Um, And the main issue is really what came out in this report this week. Um, We've got uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee who reviewed the facts according to written records of what happened with the program that included what they called the enhanced interrogation techniques or otherwise known in most circles, is torture. So you're not making a distinction between enhanced ter- interrogation technique and torture? No. You're saying they're one and the same? No. Yes. For for all intents and purposes, I think most people, if when they hear what the techniques are, would agree that it, it's torture. So Wh- whether like it was a, justified or not. Yeah, but is that just like a, a, you know, in other words, it's just like a spin then? when Because you, you say enhanced interrogation techniques... I'm thinking, it's you know, euphemism. well, it, it is because I'm, I'm looking here at well, this one article that I read uh, on seven things Christians should know about torture. And, you know, they're talking about here are some in, in, enhanced interrogation techniques. And they're saying this, you know, we should be against torture because these fit the definition of torture. And I'm looking at the attention grab. You know, where the interrogator forcefully grabs the shirt of the prisoner and shakes him. Or the attention slap, an open-handed slap aimed at causing pain and triggering fear. And I'm going, are you kidding? Like, my kids do this to each other. You know what I mean? It's like, was that big of a deal? So, I mean, what, what, what's the deal here? Why, are we, why, why should I care about what happens to these guys, especially if they have information that might be valuable? Okay, well, for one, we're not just slapping them. Or grabbing their shirts. (laughs) Quite the contrary. Um, What we're doing, and this is common knowledge um, based in facts here, the the techniques that are being used are things, and here's just a little sample, um, sleep deprivation for seven plus days. Wow. You can really imagine being kept awake. And they normally do that with like excessively loud music. Um, Now, for some people, excessively loud music is not torture. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think in these scenarios, you you might think differently. <laughs> okay. Um, another would be what they call forced standing. So they have the prisoners hang by chains from the ceiling most of the time to keep their arms up over their head and keep them in a standing position for uh, 17 days at one point for one of the detainees is documented. 17 days standing? Yes. With oh. arms up over your head in a very uncomfortable position. Um, putting them in a coffin with insects. They used that uh, early on in 2000, 2001 with the, one of the first detainees they had. I think it was Abu, Zab, uh, wait, Abu Zubayek. Um, they learned that he was really afraid of certain insects. So the CIA went uh, to the Office of Legal Counsel and had that approved. Small box insects. I don't think most people would deny that might be torturous. Uh, and then, of course, there's waterboarding. So... The, the feeling of drowning while they continuously pour a stream of water over your face, that ranged from 20 minutes to two hours at one point that was sanctioned to do by the CIA. But they weren't actually drowning, though. And what I heard was that when you place their legs up above, you know, you elevate their legs, it's almost it's basically impossible because the water can't go into the lungs. It simulates that feeling of it. Right. But they're not actually getting drowned. No, but it's very painful and torturous in the sense psychologically that you feel that you are no kidding drowning. So, I, but I, I hear that, and and I'm but I'm thinking to myself if we're talking about serious critical situations, and we know that these guys, they if you say, well, listen, you know, can you just come to your senses? Can you maybe help us out here? We'll set you up in a nice place. We'll give you some money. We'll we'll clear criminal charges. That's not their language. My understanding of, of the kind of guys that we're fighting is that the only language they understand is force, is domination, is I win, you lose. Is it effective? The verdict is still out on that. Um, there are, are people who are on both sides of that issue, and that's tough to say. And even the CIA uh, themselves says that it's it's hard to say. We don't know for sure. Some of them think that it's been effective. Some of them say that that is directly how we got the evidence that led us to Osama bin Laden. Some say that it wasn't and that it was directly from something else, from other people that were involved, from other interrogations, from surveillance and whatnot. So it is it's almost impossible to know for sure if it's effective. And that's also one of the reasons why some people think it shouldn't be used because we don't know that it's effective and we're going to these extreme lengths and really pushing the limits of morality and human decency for something that we don't know for sure even works. This is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. We are talking with Dr. Angie Swan, professor of criminal justice at Grand Canyon University. The number to call is 602 368 Three seven seven six. Love for you to call in and give us your opinion. Should Christians be okay with torture? Now I want to go back. You're you're saying that basically, in effect, you're kind of challenging this notion because as we were talking earlier, most Christians, and even this one article that I read in, a, in an article that came out or a, or a survey that came out in 2009, that an overwhelming number of evangelical Christians are fine with the use of torture, and and many. Christians, especially conservative Christians on the right, are like, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to kind of like me, but you're not so sure. So so is it because of then what, is it because just you're saying, Tim, you have to understand what they're doing to these people? Not necessarily. It's, it's because I think most of those Christians who, and conservatives, who say, yes, we have to do what we have to do in these desperate times that require desperate measures, essentially, where imminent danger is what the scenario is. But I think most people who would say that torture is acceptable in these certain circumstances are kind of going back to that 
ticking time bomb scenario, okay. right? Yep. Where most people, most conservatives, probably yourself included, would say that torture and these me- me- these methods that I listed before could be justified and moral and in accordance with Christian principle if they are done in a very specific scenario that requires the ticking time bomb scenario. So you've got, you, you have a person in custody, you know that they know the information you have mm-hmm. to have to save a multitude of people. Okay, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the Jack Bauer thing from the show 24 is yep. what I've heard. Yep. So unfortunately, that is not what's being played out in reality here with what we were doing in our torture interrogation techniques. The okay? ticking, the, what, the ticking time we, bomb? We, it was, it was partially a ticking time bomb scenario. So essentially in the aftermath of 9-11, there's no, nobody denies really that we had an imminent danger situation where there was good evidence that another situation like that could happen, that there were other plots in the works at that time. So there's, there's no doubt that the CIA had to take some extreme measures. They had, they had their work cut out for them. Um, but the people that they ended up grabbing and detaining Um, And there were hundreds at these black sites uh, in the prisons in Iraq and Afghanistan. They would use these techniques on them. They were the people that they tortured. They were not um, in every or even in most situations, people that they knew for certain had specific information that they were looking for. So it wasn't this very black and white Jack Bauer scenario where you've got a person that you know knows where the bomb is, when it's going to go off. In most circumstances, we were trying to get names of other operatives, um, information to kind of more general information to try and diffuse situations or just figure out the network. It, it wasn't as it wasn't as black and white really as what I think most conservatives would like to see in that perfect scenario of when torture is justifiable. And most disturbing really is that there are some instances that were documented in these reports that came out, and not just the Senate Intelligence Committee report, but in the the CIA's own IG report that was back from 2004 that confirms a lot of what was found in the Senate Intelligence Committee report. And one of the things that was really disturbing is that at least two of the people that were detained and tortured for months at a time in, uh, I think one was at a black site in Kabul, they were kicked loose because the CIA realized that, oh, these weren't really the people we thought they were. They 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 really didn't know anything. Yeah. I mean, that's really disturbing to me. Well, and I think that's, I think in all honesty, that would be disturbing to anybody to think, holy cow, we just tortured an innocent person. But in some senses, it follows the capital punishment argument, though, too, because we say, well, we don't want to execute anybody for murder because we may execute an innocent person. And so we're going to let we're basically going to let murderers go free because of the because of the small chance. And there's sometimes there is somebody who really didn't do it. They end up getting executed. But then, of course, when you do that, you have a situation where many other people end up getting murdered because you have people getting out after years that are murderers and they go back and they do it again. So my concern is, yes, are there going to be those people who uh, who are tortured mistakenly? Yes, that's going to happen. But part of it is we live in a very we live in a broken world. And and the challenge that I have when it comes to Christians saying we cannot be for torture is a lot of times they use the theological arguments of saying, uh, you know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And, and Jesus said, love your enemies and do not re- do not repay evil for evil. And and what they're oftentimes doing is they're using it. They're using these arguments to to dictate a, a government policy as opposed to what I think the intention of Jesus was, which was to relate to how we're to treat each other in personal relationships. He's, they, they apply personal relationship uh, instruction that Jesus was giving 
to now this is how the government should operate. So the government, so now we're saying, well, the government shouldn't retaliate. The government shouldn't uh, have revenge. The government should basically turn the other cheek and not return evil for evil. And yet when I look at Romans 13, um, what I see when I look at Romans 13, especially Romans 13, 4, the, Paul says about that, the, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Now, going back to what you're saying, obviously there are those who are innocent and, and they didn't deserve the torture. And that would you say that's one of the things that really concerns you about this as well? Or is it more like, hey, even a guilty guy, even somebody who knows stuff, we shouldn't be doing these kinds of things to human beings? No, I, I largely agree with you, with what you were just saying about how, um, in accordance with Scripture, what our government is doing in returning evil for evil in in some senses could be justified. So I don't think that there should just be a blackout on torture in every situation. I think that there could be scenarios where it is justified, um, like that perfect ticking time bomb scenario. So um, it's... It's a really dicey issue, and I can see both sides of it. I really can. But now you you were talking too earlier about the uh, the idea of um, how effective it is. Because right. my my question, and I think most people question, okay, I no, okay, nobody wants to, you know, you hear about like rectal feeding, you know, I don't even know totally what that is. It just sounds terrible, <laughs> and I pray to God that that never happens to me or anybody that I know. Okay, but when you when you bring up something like that, that is awful, but. But when we look at the effectiveness of that, I think when people say, okay, well, what else are we supposed to do? So in other words, if, if, we, if we're not able, if we know someone has information, and that's what I, I, I frustrates me about some of my, my, my Christian friends on this issue. If we know we have information, but you can't torture them, you can't basically wear them down, what are you supposed to do? That's a good question. And... And that's why I think that in some situations that torture could be justifiably used. But I, I really just keep coming back to this problem with the way that we applied these enhanced interrogation techniques and how the whole process, the whole program mm. um, had so many flaws in it. And once again, the, those all came up in the Senate Intelligence Report um, this last week where we're talking about people who weren't trained, people who didn't know what they were doing, that were put in charge of these programs, that were that were actually sent in to do these torture techniques on people. Um, mm. No oversight, no mm -hmm. just it, it's it's just really disturbing. And even though there is the the one or the several instances where, yeah, you maybe have a justified and, and a good person that. Well, not a good person, but a person, a good situation where torture is maybe a good way is the way. Um, it, where do you draw the line? Like mm -hmm. where, when you see so much bad going on with this program in the implementation of this, of these torture techniques for just a little bit of good that might be coming out of it, that it, that is even hard to measure. Where do you draw the line? And it's a know, slippery slope. No, you know, Angie, and I think that's such a great point is I think everybody listening needs to take that into heart as well. No matter which side you're on, you, you, we, this is a situation where you have to draw the line somewhere. See, on the one hand, what frustrates me about the, the uh, Christians who, who are opposed to torture because of the words of Jesus, and I think they're misapplying them to government policy and, and representing the state, 
And I think oftentimes the arguments they use against torture are advocating for pacifism, when personally I believe pacifism is a perverse and a wicked and an evil uh, belief that is very convenient for people who live in a sanitized world where they don't really have to encounter the kind of evil that many people around the world have to because we have the police and we have, as that one quote, and I can't remember the individual who said it, but you've probably heard it, you know, uh, people sleep peacefully at night because— because there are rough men who are who are willing to do violence on their behalf. Now, but you're very, very uh, right in the sense that on both sides there has to be lines drawn. Because I think on the one hand, we live in such a society where we don't really understand sometimes how evil evil can be um, and how violent there are because the violence is, how much violence people are capable of. But on the other hand, when you say, ah, oh, just do whatever, you know, if you have to rip their skins off and do whatever you have to do and rip their fingernails out and set them on fire, I think it's easy to say that. But I think it's very, very difficult when you really think about some of the things that were done to these people. Could you sit there and watch that? Could you watch that? Could you take part in that? Could you be party to that? I think you have to stop for a second and say, where is that line of when we really dehumanize somebody and then in the process dehumanize ourselves? It's a tough issue, is it not? Oh, yeah, definitely. And and when you talk about watching it, really, to get a good realistic picture, for anybody who's seen the movie Zero Dark Thirty, um, there's quite a few depictions of torture there that, from what I've seen and read in these reports, is fairly accurate to what with the techniques that are being used and the situations of the black sites. See, but to be honest with you, when I, when I saw Zero Dark Thirty, I saw the, those torture, I saw those scenes and I went, well, you know what, the guy should talk. If you know what you, if yeah. You, if you, yeah, I still hard to watch though. Yeah, I it mean, was, it was hard really? to watch. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard to watch. But I was looking at that guy, and I'm going, you know what? Um, but 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 interestingly enough, though, as I recall, how they finally broke him though was they didn't they they took him out and they they dressed him up and they they, they had lied nice, to him. They lied to him. Right. They lied to him. They just used deception. They, used they didn't de- need torture. Right, and that's very interesting. That's very interesting because they, they, they thought they could wear him down, and I was thinking, man, if it was me, it would just be really really hard. And especially, but it, but it's hard because because the United States military, of course, uh, there is a code of conduct and that has to be followed in terms of if you are captured and, and you are to do everything you possibly can do to not talk. And of course, we have the Geneva Convention. But again, we're dealing with people that don't play by those rules. Right, right. And it's in that regard that I do think that we're in we're in a different time and we're fighting a very unconventional war that requires new techniques. It, it does require something different. And that's why I don't think we can just blanketly say that that, tor- that torture just needs to be thrown out at face value. 602-368-3776. If you want to call, get in on the conversation. We only have a few minutes left. I'd love to hear your opinion. Again, 602-368-3776. Now, Angie, we had today, We of course, uh, America woke up and heard the horrible news of a Taliban school attack. Um, now they're saying up to 141, maybe as many as 145 now, mostly children dead in Pakistan. Reading from the CNN article, uh, the Pakistani Taliban guy went in there, and, and as one individual quoted, he went in and said, uh, a lot of the children under the benches kill them. And, and you hear, we, this is unfathomable, the kind of evil that these individuals are doing, that these terrorist creeps are doing to children. Where is the honor in that, where is the bravery in going into a school and shooting children? And I think part of it is, I wonder, Angie, if if 10 years ago, if the Senate report had come out 10 years ago, if America would still have that big bruise from 9-11 and, and we would have, maybe our attitude would have been a bit different. Have we, have we maybe forgotten 
maybe some of the the that ringing in our souls of the pure evil that happened on 9-11? Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, one of the last points I was actually hoping to at least hit on is the importance of how we make our policies um, so often based on emotion and mm-hmm. the changing winds of public opinion and uh, the, you know, the, the difference in political opinions that are going around and just the way the tide goes. And back then, post 9-11 climate was very different than what we have today. And I think most of us would really remember how strong the surge was of do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was ringing true for most Americans. And then that that pushed through the Patriot Act, which since then we have seen there were problems with that. Um, not blanket, but there were a few for sure. And you know, I just I hope that whatever happens with the torture issue, we look at the facts and the evidence of what's come out from these reports, um, not just the Senate report, but the IG report as well from uh, several years back. And we and we really think about whether or not it's working and really what we're willing to compromise. You know, the the few the little good that we get that comes out of it Um compared to the larger bad maybe that happens with all the people who are innocent, like you were saying. And we decide before the next 9-11 happens, what does our policy need to be? What Mm -hmm. are we going to do so that it's not fully informed by just the huge emotional tidal wave that happens when people decide once again that, yes, let's do whatever it takes. Let's pull fingernails out. And again, that is such an excellent point because we've got to be people who think deeply about these things before they happen. And I think you make a great point. One of the challenges is, we really were blindsided on 9-11, and we really didn't know. So so a lot of it was it was knee-jerk. It was emotion. It was, let's go kill all of them. And and I think since that the dust has settled on some of that, and we've had to count some of our own costs in involving ourselves in those things, that definitely, absolutely, we did the right thing in many situations. But we have to, the dust is settling. We're looking back, and I think it's better now. And everybody listening needs to take this to heart. You can't just sit there and say, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. We, do, we have to do whatever we have to do. We have to stop, and we do need to think deeply. We do need to apply this to the lens of Scripture. And I think that's what this show is about. That's what we've been trying to do here and say, because, because every— yeah, Yes, even a terrorist is created in the image of God, and there is a human factor there. That being said, innocent life is so important. Hey, listen, it has been such a pleasure to talk with Dr. Angie Swan. You are fabulous. Will you come back to the show again? Thank you. Yes, of course. All right. You've been listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Make sure you follow Tim on Facebook.com slash Pastor Tim Jacobs or on Twitter at Tim G. Jacobs. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. as we cross the intersection of faith and life, gospel and culture, and get all we can out of the life God has given us.